A message from the Government of Canada. Hello, everyone. It is my honor as the 23rd Prime Minister of Canada to welcome these foreign dignitaries from our esteemed partner to the south. Oh, what do you mean, not dignitaries? Podcasters? Yikes. And it's an entire room of leftists? Wait, like dengists? Or like Maoists, trots? Certainly not tankies. Okay, so it's a room full of liberals. An entire theater packed with libs. That's fine. We'll just soften the message a bit. Wada! Fellow anti-fascist, Fidel Castro fucked my mom! <laughs> Check out my pipeline. <laughs> ah, P.U. to America, cut, cut, But we're so glad to welcome political dissidents, Chapo Traphoos. They're here to spread le bon mati socialism. But don't we already have something a little like socialism already here in Canada? We have socialized medicine. Maybe even too much socialized medicine. Baj moi! Here to discuss if Canada really has gone too far are my guests, Gian Gameshi. Hello, sir. Music Festival Stephen Harper. Yeah, thanks. And the next Prime Minister of Canada, <laughs> Pierre Polyaz. Trucks, Bitcoin, casual racism. And a casual racism to you too, sir. See, we're not all that different. We all want what's best for our people. The Rogers, the Shaws, the Irvings. We might look and sound like a country, but honestly, we're just three mining companies in a long coat. We'll strip mine the place, and if you stand in the way, even on your own land, we'll beat you, harass you, poison your children, and bag them up behind the camps. <laughs> you all work for the company store. You all get paid in company script. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's been a rough few weeks at home. But where are they going to The NDP? <laughs> oh, that was a good one, Justin. Thanks, Goth Obama. All right, that was good. That was good. Uh, what are we recording next? The Black Students Alliance? Makeup! Toronto. We are the podcast Chapo Trap House, and this is our first time in Canada. Forgive us for not wearing. Wait a minute, hold on. It's take two. Bonjour, Toronto. <laughs> Nous sommes uh, a podcast Chapo Trap House. It's a notre premier fois au Canada. 
We are very excited to be here tonight and share some of our ironic political satire with you. Take two. Nous sommes très heureux d'être ici ce soir et partager avec vous une partie de, no, de, de notre satire politique ironique. Uh, for instance, uh, back in the States, it was just revealed that the special prosecutor, Jack Smith, has received Trump's Twitter DMs as part of his investigation. We th we, now, we haven't read them, but we think they'd sound a little like this. For example, Oh, Etats-Unis, il a été révélé que le procureur spécial, Jack Smith, avait reculé des Fuck this! This is a show for America! This is a night for America! I cannot believe anyone would get hoed out by French hicks in the way that you people did. <laughs> Some of them were even Huguenots. <laughs> Their first victory ever. This venue is now sovereign American territory. You now have freedom of speech. Something Trudeau's, Trudeau's secret police hold no authority here, but Canada, ever since I've landed just yesterday, I could just feel this country yearns for freedom. This country yearns for American freedom. And we are here to provide that for you tonight. I mean, indeed, from the moment I touched down at uh, Toronto Pearson Airport, I could just sense the, the fear in the air. Eyes cast down as people shuffled by giant posters celebrating the Trudeau regime. The cruel family who has ruled this benighted nation with an iron fist for decades. I could, of course, instantly tell who was Canadian as they were shuffled into a separate line, eyes cast down, their voices silent, wary of informers and the secret police. I could see in their faces the dull and broken expression of draft animals, yoked to a tyrant and who have suffered the lash for far too long. Giant television screens played state propaganda from an impish figure known as Nardwar. On these propaganda broadcasts, a, a figure would be selected for surveillance, and Nardwar already knew a shocking amount of details about their life. I saw my reflection in the mirrored sunglasses of the cruel and sadistic border guards. I slipped them a crisp hundred American currency to get out of the cavity check. Your funny money holds no sway, even among your own border guards. I walked by the Trudeau bread lines at the state food distribution center known as Tim Hortons. <laughs> and thanks to our local contact, uh, the podcast Deep Into History, who arranged a private transportation and a bulletproof SUV to protect us from kidnappings and whisk us through the several military checkpoints on the way to the official uh, diplomatic district, free from the squalor, violence, and oppression just outside the doors. Canada, we are here to liberate you. My many travels could not prepare me for what I saw, or perhaps more what I smelled when I entered the Toronto airport. I will be expounding on my findings in a uh, forthcoming volume titled, How Ukraine Underdeveloped Toronto. It will be available from the forthcoming publisher, Verso for Men. 
Canada, um, I don't know what the rest of it is, but Toronto is definitely in the periphery. There are things here I have not smelled since 1998. <laughs> the airport permeates with the scent of the kid who always brought soup to school. Perhaps it is a nation of those kids. At the airport, I noticed the um, Anglo-Canadian Cranog men and the desperation in their eyes. Um, it is clear from your currency that fractional reserve banking has not come to Canada. <laughs> I will institute it before leaving. But one thing is clear. Your average Canadian would kill his entire family to use an American banking app for one minute. <laughs> We do have to talk about this money, though. Yeah. It's, it's just embarrassing. You got, you got on this guy, first of all, it's just the plastic, it's not, it's no, this isn't real. Uh, oh, oh, no, they're gonna counterfeit it. Who would want to counterfeit that? What kind, what kind of remedial school counterfeiter is going, I'm, I'm getting the loonies and the toonies. And also, on this one, I just have to say, you got the robot arm on the NASA thing? Your contribution to space? That's, that's just embarrassing. Yeah, uh, we got the space shuttle, you guys got the, the turn signal on the space shuttle. Good job with that. Everything is lesser here. It's, I mean, you guys have uh, Margot Trudeau, whatever the fuck her name, the, the woman who is divorcing Justin Trudeau. Sophie Gregoire, we'll yeah. be talking about her in a yeah. second. We have one Mrs. Jill Biden. That's Dr. Joe Dr. Biden. Thank you very much. Well, I know who I could finish to first. I've done experiments. But uh, Canada, I would say, you know, it's, it's okay to be here. But, um, so, like, I, like to, to open our show tonight, I, I think, like, it's like, from, we need to bring you our perspective. Like, sort of answer the question, as I'm trying to do for myself, what does it mean to be Canadian? What is the Canadian identity? And as best I can tell you, it's hockey, Tim Hortons, not going bankrupt for medical bills, and politeness. But beyond that, it really just seems to me what being Canadian is really about is still having to pay fealty to the British monarchy and speak French. <laughs> so you've imported the worst of Europe into the new world. The truth is, everything is defined in contrast to your neighbors to the south. Uh, we're rude, you're polite. We did genocide to our indigenous population, and you did slightly less than that. Canada is like America, but with more land acknowledgements. <laughs> but here's the truth, Canada. You're, you just want to be American. Oh, you conceal your reservoir of rage beneath an icy layer of polite compliance? That's just called being Midwestern. It's true, I, I had bag milk too, you know. Oh, wow, you form an identity around your love of a shitty donut franchise? That's called being from Boston. <laughs> the truth is, Canada, you're already most of the way there to being Americans. So on tonight's show, we would like to make the case for the absorption of Canada into America yes. as the one mega North American super state. Let's get it started tonight, Let's folks. Let's do it. 
inspired by the uh, the the Wexit movement to secede from Canada, I think all I think every province in Canada should just secede from Canada and become America. Yes, and we promised that we would absolutely knock the frogs down a peg. <laughs> they're not. They're not. Oh, everything has to be in two languages. Excuse me. You're, we're lucky we have one language on anything, motherfucker. Shut the fuck up. So, I mean, like, what, well, what, I mean, I know what we're getting, what we Americans are getting out of the deal. Soft timber. <laughs> Fresh water. Beaver pelts. Beaver pelts, we always love those. Uh, Tim bits. Yeah. Tar sands. You, got, you guys got a, got, a, got a lot of good shit up there. Yeah. I mean, most of it uh, untouched. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm doing the Birdman hands thinking about it. <laughs> uh, but Canada, like, what, what, what would you get in this deal? I mean, because, like, I mean, you'd lose your health care. I mean, by the way, do you guys like uh, having health care? <laughs> you fuckers. You fucking <laughs> bastards. You fucking greedy pigs. Yeah, but you have, you have no idea how many fast, casual dining concepts you can fit... <laughs> In a city. You, have, you, ha, you think you know, you do not know. And that will more than make up for the lack of ability to not die. <laughs> but yeah, what, what would you be getting from joining the, the North American, American super state? And there's a few things, starting with no more funny money. You guys can have real money now. Yes, green real currency. Money, money that you'd be proud to snort cocaine through, not... <laughs> The, o- the only major currency that is not uh, differentiated in size for the blind. Because <laughs> we're yeah, real Gs. Yeah, you can rip off Ray Charles. <laughs> you can start doing that if you haven't done it before. But, I mean, like, you, you, would get a, you get a lot. You would get, you could put your chest out and walk proudly, not having to be, you know, a second-rate country. <laughs> uh, no, but, but, and also, crucially... You would no longer have to suffer the indignity of losing the Stanley Cup every year to fucking cities like Las Vegas, Tampa, Jacksonville, Florida. Cities that haven't seen snow since the last fucking ice age. And look, I know most of the players on those teams are Canadian, but like, come on. The Stanley Cup's coming home to America. <laughs> to the North American superstate. But here's the deal. We have, we have tried in the past to invade Canada and it's take true. it over, and it didn't work. So whoever is your next PM, be it uh, Justin Trudeau or, or Pierre Polipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipolipol
I imagine most people don't ever leave. But he left and became, you know, an Adolf Hitler-level celebrity. <laughs> Not in terms of morality. It's like, it's like how Napoleon was from Corsica. Yeah, exactly. Not in terms of morality, but like, you know, name recognition. <laughs> you know, it's like there's Hitler toothpaste you can buy in uh, Thailand. That's how enduring the OVO brand is. So, and, and Drake could perform like an Anschluss. However you say that word. And, um, yeah, no, he would, he would um, kill members of the Canadian OVO, but then, you know, one big happy family. Well, before we, uh, before we commence Operation Maple Thunder, we'd like to, we'd like to um, uh, led by Matt Christman, we'd like to take a brief, a brief tour back in history at some of the best attempts that America has made thus far to invade and take over Canada. Yes. Professor Christman, take it away. Yeah. So, it all started during the American Revolution when there was a, uh, a patriot military force that uh, occupied Quebec. They uh, occupied Montreal. They thought that they could get the French on their side with American liberties, but they pissed everybody off by taking their guns and uh, paying them in fiat currency instead of Bitcoin. Uh, and then they got run out of there. And then it's, we were like, all right, fine, whatever, good game. Licked our wounds. Then 1812, went for it again. Three separate invasions of Canada. Uh, the first one ended after the general uh, got scared because a cannon exploded and he surrendered the whole army. <laughs> the second army was actually delayed two days uh, in their invasion because somebody stole all the boat oars. <laughs> but eventually uh, they were kicked out, but only after burning down what was then at the time called York. They burned several municipal buildings in, in Toronto. And then that was it. Nothing else happened after that. <laughs> that was it. We burned, we burned Toronto, and then we were like, we're bored, and we went home, and that was the end of it. And then we won the Battle of New Orleans, and that's it. Nothing else happened. <laughs> there are no other notable events Nothing happened else happened during the War of 1812. It really is inspiring, like, what humble starts the Fourth Reich had. <laughs> And then there's, there's a couple of other attempts that are more forgotten because they're sort of more farcical. After the Civil War, a number of uh, Irish-American veterans of the Union Army uh, got it in their head that they were going to invade uh, Canada, take it from England, and then trade it for Ireland. Uh, that is the most plan. Irish bullshit I've ever heard. It was one of the most Irish things to ever happen. Yeah. Uh, oh once God. in 1866 and then again in 1870, they, they just blundered across the border. They had a shootout with some redcoats and then they all surrendered. And uh, the amazing thing is, is it didn't even make much of a, like a big incident. Like there was no real uh, diplomatic conflict between the U.S. and uh, Britain because we just sort of said, you know what they're like. <laughs> you, you know what happens when they got a few drinks in them? <laughs> And, and the Brits were like, yeah, don't trust us. We, we know. We know what they're like. Don't worry about it. And we all just let it, let it go away. And that was kind of it. We haven't tried since then, but I think at the time has come. 2024. Yes. 1812 will commence again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Canada, I, I, I know you have this reputation about being polite. And, you know, I got to say, so far, I, it has been pretty polite. But, like, keep in mind, Canada, 
there are, there, there, are, there are Canadians among you who have broken containment. They have broken the Canadian prison and they've crossed over. And you have to, remember, you have to keep in mind, like, these are the Canadians that Americans are being exposed to. And believe me, it's not just every beloved comedian of our lifetimes <laughs> or your wildfire smoke that has crossed over. <laughs> Consider the following Canado-American success stories, beginning with David Frum. <laughs> David Frum, Class A war criminal from the Bush administration. Consider Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> Murderer. Alleged, well, I mean, like, a guy died. A guy died, that's all I'll say. He, like, his wife, and then he blamed his wife running a, running a boat. A over. real class act. We probably should have looked up what the libel laws are like here before we took They're not very good in England, and this is England Junior, so I we fu- might want to watch out. I fucking dare them to face me in court. <laughs> you show me the best fucking lawyer in Canada. I know there are, like, some, some fucking uh, Jewish guys in Montreal, but they, like, they seem to just, um, you know, how should we say, like, they seem to be shtetlheads. <laughs> They're just, like, making food and shit. They're not like us. <laughs> I've well, never heard anyone complain, like, there are too many Jews in Canadian media, you know? <laughs> They're, like, 80 or 90 years behind us in America. I feel like my performance in, in Canadian court, it would be like um, brawn during trial by combat at the jail. <laughs> you didn't perform law with honor. He did. <laughs> I, I understand, though, why Canadian conservatives are so frothing and frustrated. It's because they've been stymied in their search for a messiah, for a Trump figure, by the simple fact that in order to run for prime minister, you have to speak French. <laughs> if we'd had that shit, we never would have had trouble in the first place. It's okay. After Operation Maple Thunder, Mr. Wonderful will be put in charge yep. of Canadian... He will uh, be agri- the viceroy yeah, of he'll New be put, Canada. He'll be put in charge of Canadian Agricultural Zone 7. <laughs> um, okay, Mr. Mr. Wonderful, you know, no, not a murderer, just ran over a guy with his boat, blamed his wife. <laughs> okay, next up, the next Canado uh, containment breaker... Steven Crowder. <laughs> Wife abuser. <laughs> and I, and I, think I'm on pretty, I think I'm on terra firma with that one. But just in case, alleged to wife abuser. And then finally, Ryan Reynolds, who is somehow worse than all three of the other ones. <laughs> so, I mean, Canada, it, it's not all fun. It's, it's not all niceness and beloved comedians. There's a lot of real shitheads who have... Uh, Trickled, trickled their way down across the border. But for Americans, I'd like to talk about now the two ultimate Canadians. Like, who represents Canada the most in the American consciousness right now? And there are two local boys, Drake and Jordan Peterson. <laughs> they really, you know, we're, we're about to get into it, but it's like, could, their differences are really summed up. In the famous lyric, Drake, Drake takes like one-fourth of his annex for a flight to Japan and passes out. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Dr. Peterson, that's like, you know, four Xanax every ten minutes. J- Dr. Peterson has half a Xan in his dick hole right now. Just, uh, just keeping him even keel. But yeah, 
when, when JP heard the, I just took half his van, 14 hours till I land, he just said, Drake, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think both Drake and Jordan Peterson really do sum up the certain kind of, I don't know, like, a, a awkward dorkiness and male hysteria that I associate with Canada. They're, they're two sensitive soft boys who are both plagued by the insecurity that no matter how high they rise in their respective hierarchies or fields... Hierarchies. Tra- hierarchies. 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 So whether, uh, whether it's the music industry or pop psychology, uh, both of them worry that it just won't be enough. You know, Drake could have, like, he's the most successful musician in the world, practically. But, like, I mean, it's a short list, and, like, Drake is near the top of it. No matter how successful he is in rap, now how much love and respect he gets for records he sells, he's always like, I was the wheelchair kid on Degrassi. <laughs> but here's the thing. All of the natural disabilities of being an annoying, overly sensitive dork that uh, you Canadians face, Drake has somehow managed to bypass all of them and is thriving. Whereas Jordan Peterson is currently being destroyed by them in front of everyone. <laughs> they are... They really diverged. Drake famously, you know, hid his son from the world. But every day, if you go to Jordan Peterson's timeline, you have to scroll down like 30 very confusing, just benzoed out tweets. More than but that later. every day you see like him quote tweeting a picture of his daughter with like her tits out. <laughs> They're really going in the opposite direction. They're, like, they're, they're, they define Canada both in their similarities and their contrasts. Yeah, for, for Americans, like, that's what we think of when we think of both Canada and Toronto. Drake and Jordan Peterson. But, Canada, it's not all L's for you, because the greatest living Canadian happens to be the greatest human being who's ever lived. James Cameron. Talk about Napoleon being from Corsica. Yeah. So, like, Canada, like, for all the shit we give you on stage here tonight, this is one W that no one's ever taken yeah, off the board. you got him forever. No one's ever taken off the board. James Cameron, I mean, like, the, the, the god emperor yeah. of planet Earth is Canadian. And I'll also throw in there David Cronenberg. All right, I got, and, some, got and, some fans of the new flesh in the house. Let's go. And, and uh, Phil Hartman. That's true. Taken out by an American woman who, you know, victim of a disease we invented during MKUltra, bipolar disorder. <laughs> We're sorry. But Canada, like, what's, going on, what's going on with your politics here? Because like, I, I think like, the sort of like the, the liberal and conservative split in Canada is just more evidence of how much you want to be American and how much you jock us because it just seems like if, like, whatever liberals are on in America, Canadian liberal pundits or politicians will be like, I'll, I'll adopt that thing, but be, like, 10% more fragile and annoying about it. <laughs> and it's equally true for conservatives. But I, I do want to talk about, about Justin Trudeau. You know, we mentioned in the, uh, the intro, it's been... It's been, a, it's been a tough week for him, personally. And I, I gotta say, when I saw that photo of him taking his son to Barbie, the, like the, the tech guy and his blood bag son is all I can think about. Uh, can we see, oh, he also took his daughter to see uh, Oppenheimer. Can we see that one? Okay, that, that's not, it, it's instantly a funny uh, a photograph to look at, but I just, 
I gotta point out, Justin's fit here is atrocious. <laughs> I mean, I'm not one of these like, oh, you gotta wear a suit and tie every day. But, like, you're a world leader, what the fuck? He's got some like Henley tucked into blue jeans and a, a fitted baseball hat. What the fuck is going on here? If you're gonna wear the blue jeans, you should commit to the full Canadian tuxedo. And I do, I, we actually considered coming out in Canadian tuxedos, but that would have required us all buying them. Because we're never gonna wear them again. It's like a fucking wedding uh, outfit. My jean jacket was just in storage. What I, I like about these is that you can tell that dorkiness definitely runs in the male side of the Trudeau line. <laughs> yeah. Because the Trudeau son was like, yes, I'll dress up in pink for Barbie, and the Trudeau daughter was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Trudeau's fit, um, like the Henley and everything, he dresses like the good love interest in a Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> and is sometimes tried to look like that in other ways. But, um, so obviously, uh, uh, Canada and the world was rocked recently by the, the news that Justin and Sophie Gregoire Trudeau This are, world is truly bullshit. <laughs> ...are separating. And I, so, like, you know, I, I put on my detective's cap, and I'm like, what's going on here? What's, what's the real story? What are they not telling us? And I, like... If you're gonna come up with reasons for why this marriage broke up, I'd like to submit this next video clip as exhibit A in the people's case of the dissolution of the Trudeau marriage. Because I've heard my fellow human beings and friends here today sing, this is not planned, trust me, I'm going to step up, yes, and I'm going to sing you a song that I wrote for my daughter, Ella Grace. Oh, no. At a moment where I was going through a difficult time. No, and you don't have to. Where I remind myself of all the hope that okay. there is in one's life. Oh, boy. And all the hope that there is in love and helping out each other. Oh, jeez. And it's called Smile Back at Me. Uh-huh. And it goes like this. Wait for it. Some people die. That angels can fly. And some people fight. Mm-hmm. Without knowing why, some people live. We're playing the whole thing. You gotta get to one part. You voted for this. Some people live. Oh no 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 no, but not. No 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 no. That's not enough. Okay. Uh, man, this shit goes. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, wait a minute. Now okay. she's got to do it in French, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the real... Uh, by the way, uh, shout out to all the uh, George C. Scott in hardcore uh, in the audience right now. Turn it off! Turn it off! If that isn't on your Backshots playlist... <laughs> Okay, the, the real punchline to that awesome original song from Sophie Gregoire is that this was performed at a tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> I mean, we don't know if he would have liked that song or not. That's true. 
what if he likes it? <laughs> oh, so what happened? To, oh, yeah, th- th- this headline here. Idris Elba hints that he contracted coronavirus from Justin Trudeau's wife. Mm. How, how did that happen, Idris? Mm. Do tell. I mean, he claims he was, like, in an elevator with her. Uh-huh. Some but, people fly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, but between, you know, uh, Stringer Bell <laughs> and, you know, with your wife and that atrocious song. I mean, I don't know who initiated this divorce, but if I were Justin, I would have been calling up my, calling up the old divorce attorney. Got to get out of here with this one. I mean, he's got to run for re-election now, right? Yeah. Can't have that around. Well, now he cut off this dead weight. <laughs> got to cut the grass to see the, uh, the snakes, the bad, the bad singing. <laughs> Here's the deal with Canada. Justin Trudeau is single now. And you know what? I will say this about Justin Trudeau. He's not cool, but he is, he is like conventionally good looking. Yeah. And I do like how much Canadian right-wingers fucking hate Justin Trudeau. He's like, Justine Trudeau, he's oh, so soy. He's so smoochable. <laughs> so to, to sort of uh, cement Operation Maple Thunder, we need, to, we need to marry off your prime minister and create a marriage of alliance to bring together the North American super state. And you know, if you're talking about people who are conventionally attractive, world figures who are conventionally attractive but not cool, there's only one person I can think of, Taylor Swift. The marriage of Justin Trudeau and Taylor Swift will unite the American continent. Yeah. And Matt, like you said, like, Taylor, she's got to settle down eventually. Yeah, but she can't just marry a guy. She, whoever she marries has to come with vast tracts of land. <laughs> and soft timber. And fresh water. And tar sands. Because otherwise, what are we doing here? She'll be like the, the, a Catherine of Aragon for yeah. our time. So the, with, with the Trudeau-Swift marriage cementing our uh, alliance, we, we can be free to... Um, Finally throw off the shackles of the old world. Yep. And speaking French. No more French. Not doing it anymore. Sorry, not yep. doing it anymore. Done with that. Bye-bye. You know, like, uh, like I would, it's something like a, a remake of, since being here in Canada, I want, like, uh, I want to rewrite the, the famous Lee Greenwood song, I'm Proud to Be an American. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. I would say I'm proud to be an American where at least I never have to speak or hear French. Yes. Ever. <laughs> yeah, and, and you guys will be freed from the burden of trying to have to be funny. You know, it's like, oh, we're Canadians, we're, 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 we're American, but not, so that means we have to have, like, a, a, a skewed view on things, and be, I understand, that must be very stressful. If you're going to be American, you don't have to be funny ever. You have a gun instead. <laughs> if you want somebody to laugh, you just fucking shoot at their feet. You're, you're sort of, like, moving from, like, a, like a wry Norm MacDonald style of comedy to a Yosemite Sam yes, form exactly. of humor. <laughs> It would also alleviate, I think, probably the biggest problem facing Canada, which is, like, you know, government-backed arts and comedy, especially. That's true. No more of that shit. We don't... We pour no money into that in America, publicly. I do like that, like, what is it, like, uh, Canadian taxes and dentists paid for all of David Cronenberg's early movies. So... (laughs) I mean, I'll be put in charge of the public arts funding, and David Cronenberg, the wallet is open. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's Justin Trudeau. Uh, but let's talk about his, uh, his opponent, the head of the Conservative Party, uh, Pierre something or other. Yeah, what the fuck is it? I don't, I mean, he I don't, better not win, because I am not having to learn how to fucking pronounce this. <laughs> P- 
Polyvni? What the Polyvier? Oh, God. Poly. He's Polly? Is that the deal? <laughs> what was wrong? What was wrong with Stephen Harper? Yeah, what was wrong with that guy? He was cool. I yeah, I loved Stephen Harper. He looked. He was like. He was like. You know, the square in the music video where, you know, Rad or Motley Crue is gonna play rock on his dinner table. <laughs> He was perfect for that role yeah. in the role of like the leader of the conservative party. I don't know if he's like dead or 90 or something now, or did, you know did a horrible crime. But like you should bring him back. And also like I know Doug Ford doesn't speak French either, but just like put him in a fucking uh, isolation tank with Duolingo for a month and then <laughs> let him come out. Give me somebody entertaining, not this fucking creep. <laughs> And, like, he's already made, uh, you know, because uh, the Trudeaus are getting separated. I did notice he just put out a TV commercial where it's him and his wife pushing their kid in a swing, being like, just remind you, still married. <laughs> I have to say that it speaks to Canadian, famous Canadian broad-mindedness that you guys are about to have an election where both candidates don't really know who their dad was. <laughs> what, so what's the deal with Pierre? He was, like, an orphan? He was in- an orphan adopted by... French Canadians in Alberta. Oh my that just, god! That sounds like some sort of operation. That that can't be real. It's like how people say Obama was like CIA. French Canadians in Calgary. That's that's sus. It's like a good when you're French Canadian. It's supposed to be like a good news, bad news situation. Like bad news is you're really annoying, but you know there's like the fresh baguettes and shit, and that there it's like yeah you're annoying, but also here's a ten gallon hat. <laughs> You can drive around in a pickup truck while singing Frere Jaca. Yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a prime minister's race with uh, two, two men of... Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. From parts unknown, of, d- of dubious parentage. Well, they should have, like, a DNA test at the first debate. Wouldn't it be funny if Fidel Castro was both of their fathers? <laughs> He did get around. Uh, I like the idea of the U.S. government spending a lot of the 60s like trying to give, plant like an exploding cigar on Castro and the Canadian government spending a lot of the 2020s trying to get like a fiber of Fidel Castro's hair. <laughs> but, I mean, I, Toronto, I gotta be honest with you. I don't know shit about this guy. I don't want to know shit about him. Uh, he... On, very well likely could be your next prime minister, and I'll just say, I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that Trudeau did not swiftly and ruthlessly crush the trucker yeah, convoy that when was he had a bungle. chance. You guys have all those uh, weapons that you sell to Saudi Arabia. You couldn't drop a few on the truckers? <laughs> just say, like, oh, they fell out of the, they fell out the back. Oh, oops. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. It's just like, in America, conservatives were opposed to lockdowns and masking, and they got pretty hysterical about it. But up here, they were just like another level. Well, they wanted their January 6th, you know? They, yeah. want, they wanted the thing. But, like, they still wouldn't, like, oh, I'm not going to go into a building I wasn't invited into. <laughs> oh, that'd be impolite. I'm just going to sit here like an asshole in my truck. Yeah, they, I don't run it. I never really followed it. If you, like, if you said that at the time, people were like, you're ignoring it because you're afraid. But it, it seemed like they were just on a stretch of highway, like, honking, right? <laughs> the most passive-aggressive protest ever. Yeah. Perfectly fitting. So, Canada, uh, 
That's the state of your culture and politics as seen from uh, your... Give us a soft timber already! (laughs) And uh, and so in the first act of the show, we talked about um, our perception of Canadians and the few Canadians who have uh, crossed over. We're going to take a little little intermission now, but when we come back, we'll be talking about the Canadians that you have hoarded all to yourself and the joys that we have found in discovering them. I have a quick announcement, logistical. Uh, as part of the reason that this, there shouldn't be two separate countries, uh, apparently square card readers don't work uh, across the border, uh, which is why what I'm... What the am- fuck? Are you guys under sanctions? Yes. <laughs> this is why I'm, I'm immediately calling for a Eurozone, but for America. Uh, so we are selling hats out there, but you, I need cash. We need so if you want bullshit to, plastic so money. So go, if you would like to buy a hat, these are like... Those who follow the show know how hard it is to get these fucking hats. I brought them all the way here to you. If you would like to buy them, take this intermission and go get some of your fake-ass money and give it to me after the show when I will be back out there selling hats. We need, your, we need the money that looks like the visor from a sci-fi show from the 1970s. <laughs> Toronto, take it easy. Get a drink. We'll be back in a little bit with Act 2 of the show. Thank you. Hey. Toronto, Ontario, we are back. How are you guys feeling? And to think, and to think that Billy Bob Thornton disparaged Canadian audiences <laughs> as mashed potatoes with no gravy. Give me some of that gravy, Toronto. <laughs> you know, Toronto, uh, this, this is my first time in your fair city. Um, I gotta say, in the, in the 36 hours I've been in town, I have seen the front of my hotel and the front of this venue. <laughs> but I gotta say, you know, just being um, uh, ferried from the airport or from my hotel to this venue, I gotta say, Toronto, it really, it, it's got a distinct feeling to it. And it's got a distinct feeling that, you know, like, does it, does it, does it invoke in my mind, like, great American cities like New York or Chicago? No. Um, <laughs> But it does bring to mind other, you know, significantly less great American cities. Charlotte, North Carolina, and San Jose, California. You guys, you guys, yeah, Toronto is world class. Uh, Matt, Matt Phillips, what are your impressions on, on Toronto and the brief time that we've been here so far? Well, Minecraft-ass city, that's for sure. <laughs> Which is also true of Vancouver, by the way. Just these Minecraft towers everywhere. It's also, the central part of it is way too clean. It's suspicious. It's like you're hiding something. It's like it's a Ray Bradbury story. Someone's going to eat me and wear my skin. Um, uh, Transit-wise, it seems like one of those countries that got cars like 15 years ago. Um... There's sort of like a Israeliness to, <laughs> you know, how you name your, your eateries. That, like, everything is, every, like, uh, whether it's fast casual or, like, a, you know, a nice place, it's called, like, salad party. Or, <laughs> the beer store. Yeah, san- uh, you know. I know that there's a thing with that, but. Yeah, you, a sandwich fiesta. It, 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 I guess it's, I wouldn't say, like, a, a, city, a city that would exist in a Grand Theft Auto game, but, like, a Saints Row game. Uh, I, I gotta say, also, I, I just... I, we got here, and I noticed that there's, like, a, 
There's an Irish pub right on this block called the Edmund Burke. <laughs> like, we're going to name an Irish pub and we're going to give it the name of the lamest, dorkiest Irishman of all time. <laughs> like an American sports bar called the George Will. <laughs> Uh, shout out to the pub next door, the Apocle Imp. And shout out to the business across the street, Massage Addicts. <laughs> oh, and, Happy uh, customers like uh, Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> and uh, uh, shout out to the lovely and talented Catherine Krieger in the house tonight. <laughs> for Catherine. Uh, she said she saw a bar today called uh, Hugs and Sarcasm. <laughs> And then I think Catherine got it exactly right. All of the sort of like, uh, like the eateries and bars or like all, all, the, all the store names in Toronto seem like you ran English through Google Translate into English and then back again. <laughs> all right, Toronto, Dan Forrest Musical. I promise that, because like a, a couple weeks ago on the show when we announced, when he announced that we were gonna be playing Toronto and Montreal, I enlisted, I, I enlisted you into sort of like sourcing who are your favorite Canadian media oafs, goofs, grotesques, and freaks. And I would just like to thank everyone who contributed to this research effort for tonight's show. So, Chris Brown, we've talked about the Canadians who have broken containment. Now we'll be talking about the Canadian Special Reserve, the Canadian Club Reserve of... The freaks and grotesques in your media who, like, I, I, either I was aware of these people before, but, like, I had to do, like, a deep dive to do research on these figures. And I really want to thank you because we have some, spe- this is by no means, by no means a comprehensive list of every loser and freak in the Canadian media. But we have a fairly healthy sample of what you have to offer and what you guys uh, sort of imbibe here on a daily basis. And you know, this is, how we, this is how we make our living is making fun of people like this. So for Canada, for you tonight, we'd like to, we'd like to highlight some of your special little guys and gals. <laughs> and I'd like to begin with a guy whose name, I, I got, we just have to talk about the food professor. <laughs> the food professor, and I thought, I thought, I thought his, his nom de food or whatever was pretty good. The food professor, his real name is Sylvian Charlie Boys. <laughs> and, okay. Like, so this is a guy that I'm like, you know, he sort of, he, he broke containment a little bit because I was seeing him on Twitter. And he was a guy that was just sort of like seemingly popped up out of nowhere. And I, ha- I have this here. In 2022 alone, uh, he, his, his name appeared in 156 stories on the CTV News website, 87 on the Toronto Stars, 55 on the CBCs, 55 on the Globe and Mails, and 20 on the Global News. So where the fuck did this guy come from? <laughs> I mean, like, and the answer is, like, he was a, a pundit that was sort of, like, uh, birthed out of some uh, egg sack. <laughs> Excuse me, he is a graduate uh, summa cum laude of Food University. <laughs> With extra pickles. <laughs> and he was a guy like, like, that emerged during uh, COVID lockdowns when, you know, food, when food prices spiked due to the supply chain and inflation. <laughs> to assure everyone that this is, food systems are very complex. And when you go to the supermarket and you see peanut butter costs $15 now, it's, it, 
It's a, very, it's a very complex issue, but it is not Loblaw's fault. <laughs> it is not Loblaw's fault. Oh, in addition, he received a $60,000 grant from the Weston Foundation, which is owned by Loblaws. They own Loblaws. Wow. Wow, I don't know the, the Weston family. I hope you're booing the fact that your national grocery chain is called Loblaws. <laughs> You're, you're not beating the fake country allegations of that shit. <laughs> Canada is such How a... How about a real place like a Kroger, for God's sake? Shout out Kroger. Canada is such a fucking broke country that you're like, Coke brothers are the grocery store guys. <laughs> fucking low margin ass business. <laughs> Agri-food analytics lab director and lead author. <laughs> This guy, yeah, he did literally graduated from Bovine University. <laughs> uh, just just like a, a little sample of uh, the food professor's output. He says here, most consumers barely appreciate how farming, logistics, and even food processing work, but most of us often go to a grocery store. It's a familiar environment. However, grocery stores are also portals to a very complex food system we can barely see and understand. So probably blaming grocers for overpriced products is instinctive. It, grocery stores are a portal <laughs> to a different realm. So, like that, that, that's sort of sort of an app, an appartee, the food professor. Well, a little appetizer. But the next person I'd like to talk about is a columnist for uh, the National Post named Christy Blatchford. <laughs> this is okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's not a person. <laughs> That, that's the Incredibles lady. <laughs> that, that's CGI. You people are fucking with us again. Because we would never know. That is... I, I, did, I, mean, I, I did not know, know what Christy looked like until tonight. <laughs> that's a severe visage. <laughs> and uh, Christy... Her, fa- her face kind of... It looks like a racist depiction a little bit. Even though she like, like I know she's a white woman, but it like looks like a racist depiction of somebody still. Uh, well, Mickey Rooney and uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> like she's just doing it for fun. Yeah. And Christy, she's a big fan of the city of Toronto. And I'd like to talk about her column, uh, uh, that op-ed piece she wrote called, titled Toronto. City of Sissies. I mean, let's hear her out. She's dead. What? Is she really dead? Christy, wherever get, you are, this one's for you. Damn. Drake's fucking drillers sent her to hell. That's what happens when you diss the six. Yeah. R.I.P., uh, you can't libel the dead. Um, That's true. Uh, Even in the Commonwealth countries, you can't libel the dead. All right. This is a, this is a column from uh, 2011. It's a rare vintage, but still hits. 
it was in Toronto recently while temporarily resuming my semi-charmed kind of life there. <laughs> Doing crystal math? What? <laughs> and briefly ditching the other semi-charmed half in Kingston that I realized how much in need, how much in need the modern male of the species is of some toughening up. <laughs> The Bull Terrier and I were on a long force march on the Tony part of Young Street in Rosedale. <laughs> fucking Rosedale. Fucking Rosedale. Oh, God damn it. Just thinking about it infuriates me. Those <laughs> Rosedalians with she, their ways. Is she getting paid by, like, place name? <laughs> we're, like, two sentences in, and it just... Blord, Young, Rosedale, all these just bullshit proper nouns... There were a couple of boys, maybe 10 years old, maybe 12, walking ahead of me. And they were pussies. <laughs> Coming towards them was another small knot of boys about the same age. The two groups met and immediately began hugging each other, <laughs> one at a time. The trustees and ding-dongs at the Toronto District School Board would have been ecstatic. I was mortified and appalled. <laughs> so like, she saw two groups of 10-year-olds walk towards each other and the fact that they didn't take out like switchblades and fucking I I, start a rumble. I love her. She's like, Canada's a little boozy. <laughs> <laughs> You see, wing, wing, man. <laughs> you, see, you see 10 year old boys hug each other. Don't do it, man! <laughs> They're on that gay shit. Uh, this was about the time that Ontario Premier Dalton McGinty, uh, McGinty was all over the airwaves with his anti bullying crackdown. And poor old Doug Ford, a Toronto councillor whose brother Rob just happens to be the city mayor, was caught out by the Toronto Star, of course. I mean, honestly, let's give it up. Let's give it up for Rob Ford. We've been making light of your town tonight, but like electing the fat crackhead, the mayor, <laughs> that was tip of the fucking cap. It was, that was some of the most premium content ever delivered. And you guys owe yourself a round of applause for it. Crackhead! How did he manage that? Ask Andrew Breitbart. <laughs> it was, he was just like, he was, it's amazing that he happened to be Canadian. Like, he was like, he, he was like a Targaryen. <laughs> he got the blonde hair. Yeah. He was just like way too strong for this country. They had to take him out. They had to kill him. They gave him the, they gave him the cancer ray like Hugo Chavez. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly healthy men like that don't just die. I was going to skip ahead to the, uh, to the meat here. She says, that's quite true. In Toronto, actual education routinely takes a backseat to anti-bullying messages, gay positive education, recognition assemblies, and social justice. In any case, it had already been a bad month for Doug Ford. I think that part of the reason it's a bad time to be Doug or Rob Ford or anyone like them is that they are too big, too pink, too football-y, and therefore too potentially violent and too old-school manly for a lot of the city folks. <laughs> 
They're too pink. There's nothing more manly than being the kid who, who gets chased and beaten to death in Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto likes its men delicate, slender, and arch. Not sporty unless the sport in question is maybe badminton. And if those little boys I saw on Young Street are any indication, Toronto is even now about to achieve perfection in this coming generation. Do not mistake this as a plea for headbanging in sport, a defense of bullies, or a veiled anti-gay message. That's, Don't that's, worry, Christy. Yeah. There's no danger of that. No, I mean, this is just a per... Like, anyone would be disgusted seeing boys hugging. Natural response. Yeah. I have no particular fondness for gratuitous roughness in games. No time for bullies at all. And as a downtowner, I live surrounded by gay men who, like most women, I adore as a group. (laughs) Gay people, gay people, take a load off. Christy adores you, you know, as a group. Maybe not individually, but... Maybe not if you articulate any political goals or, you know, uh, agency. But she, she adores your company. She adores shopping with you. And I mean, where are the gay guys who picked out her fucking haircut have a good sense of any fucking humor? I mean, you know, she's made some points in this, but my response is, is very simple. If you're so smart, Christine, how come you're dead? <laughs> Smokes. I am wearying of the male as, deli- as a delicate creature. I am wearying of men who are so frequently in touch with their feminine side, they, not to mention me, have lost sight of the masculine one. I'm just plain sick of hugs, giving and getting, from just about anyone, but particularly man-to-man hugs. I'm sick of uh, the embrace of my fellow man. I'm, just, I'm sick of contact with humanity. I'm sick of love and fellowship among... Other people, to the extent that Toronto still upholds these values, I say, shame on you. Shame on you, this city of fucking pussies. You can't stop hugging each other. Turn to the person next to you. Kill them right now. (laughs) Strike without mercy. I remain convinced that the best way to stop a bully is not to go mewling to the teacher who will only call the victim's mummy, or your own mummy who will only call the teacher. The best way is to take the bully out for a short pounding after school. <laughs> just, just, like, just like the real boozy, she also has butt thugs. <laughs> Boss call would have been made. <laughs> the best way, okay, yeah, uh, give, give, up, give your bullies a pounding after school. And may I make it plain, please, that I don't mean the victim should do this, but rather others. <laughs> what? So who? Like who? Who's pounding the bullies in this situation? The bully the pounders. The parents? No, just a freelance squad of bully pounders. <laughs> driving around in a big van. They see a bully, they pound him. This is the group of gay men she was talking about. <laughs> the onus for stopping bullies lies not with the people being bullied, but with those who see it happen. I mean, like, did she intervene when those kids were hugging each other? She should have stopped them. She should have just, like, broken a pool cue in half and thrown it at their feet. (laughs) (laughs) She she ends it by saying, (laughs) this is really funny, this is just out of nowhere, she says, glasses should only be worn by people who can't see, not as props. Who is she, fucking Pol Pot? (laughs) (laughs) 
And then she says, gay, as I've mentioned, is entirely fine. Faye is a pain in the arse. Arse is a pain in the arse. I know men have feelings too. I just don't know to, I, I just don't need to know much more than that. On any list of the 25 things every man and boy should know how to do, hugging is not one of them. Killing bugs is. Whacking bullies is. Kissing is. Farting on cue is. <laughs> Making the sound of a train in a tunnel is. What? Kanda, <laughs> what, like, what, what, what's going what on up here? <laughs> What is, I, I, all right, train, train is choo-choo, right? <laughs> what, what is the tunnel add to this? 11-year-old boys are fucking gay, but babies are awesome. <laughs> Shooting a puck is. Hugging is not. Feel free to give this to your male children. You're entirely welcome. What a good message to instill in your male children. Be autistic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find out all the train schedules, listen for all the different pitches of the different ones, and then reproduce them on command. But don't do any of that gay shit. It's also like, I mean, if she's like this much against that, it's like if like Louis Farrakhan, he, he rented an apartment above a synagogue. It's like, okay, we know you don't like this, but like, look where you chose to be. You could, you could live in Alberta if you wanted to. It's right to. there. Yeah. It's right there. Well, she's dead now. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey, any of you out there who's against hugging, stay the fuck out of Young Street. <laughs> I have to say, These, though, these hug and kiss happy 12-year-olds run this shit. Not, this is... I, I want to do more reading series for dead people because... It's very satisfying to just be like, well, okay, that's your opinion, but uh, you're dead, bitch. <laughs> hey, William F. Buckley, can you hear us down there? <laughs> Get ready for some epic Westbrook Pegler takedowns in the near future. All right, so that's, uh, that's Christy, RIP. It would, be, it would be funny if the reason she died is she got hit by a train. <laughs> There was no boy to tell her what it sounded like as it was coming towards her. All right. Just before we move on, uh, you know, we only read a few sentences of her, but I was detecting a particular, for longtime fans of the show, a, uh, a similarity to one John Cass. Yeah. Seriously, like, most of the people we're going to talk about here, like, are, are basically... Well, we're we're going we're to get to the, um, the, the, the godfather. We're, when, we get to the, when we get to the end here... We're going to get to someone who is very Jean Cass. Great. Very Jean Cass. You know, just like walking out of your, your uh, regional city neighborhood, looking around you, being disgusted by all the normal people around you, <laughs> and saying there must be some kind of political valence to this. Well, it also, also just like the phraseology and yes. the, the pace of it. It's sort of like how, I guess, like a firsthand nature, like travelogue would be written in like 1870. <laughs> There's a very, like, old pace to it. Our next Canadian columnist is, to the best of my knowledge, still alive. It's ah. Tristan Hopper. Tristan Hopper. And I just want to begin here with just a great headline. Boozy would hate this man. <laughs> Tristan Hopper explains why he killed that raccoon. <laughs> and I love here it says, 
warning, this story contains photos which may be disturbing to some readers. It starts like any other night. You're out for a romantic date when you're with your wife yeah. when suddenly someone and their dog is attacked by a raccoon and you have to stomp it to death. It happens. <laughs> oh, Oh, and also your dad is there with a machete. Yeah, of course. I remember this dream. I've had it several times. <laughs> and then you post about it on Twitter. This is apparently what happened to former National Post journalist Tristan Hopper last weekend in Victoria. In a post shared on Twitter, Hopper showed a seemingly dead raccoon under the heel of his dress shoe with the caption, Romantic night with wife cut short by having to kick a potentially rapid raccoon to death. <laughs> So, I mean, look, if a rabid rack, I mean, well, I'm just going to say, like, the word rabid here is doing a lot of work. Uh, no, if, if a raccoon approaches me in a kinetic situation, I will neutralize it. But what I will not do is take a picture and post about it like the fucking Zodiac Killer. I, I really would not pick this guy as able to, like, kill anything. But, like... Was he wearing his, like, express waistcoat and, and his blouse when he killed it? In an email to HuffPost Canada, Hopper confirmed that he killed the raccoon after coming across it attacking a woman and her dog around 10 p.m. at night. I tried two soccer kicks to the raccoon to shake it off, <laughs> but it pursued its attack, so I managed to get my foot on the animal's neck, which stopped the attack and allowed the woman and her dog to flee the scene, Hopper wrote. It is very reasonable to believe that had I not intervened, the dog would be dead. Why not, why not stop, stop there? The woman, too. Everyone. Everyone on Earth would be dead. So this is just like a, a little introduction to Tristan Hopper. But the Tristan Hopper, like, let's, let's hear the words from the man himself. Uh, Felix, I thought of you when, I found, when we found this article. Tristan Hopper. Callaloo is an aggressively bad show ruining the world's children. And it's all Canada's fault. killer side now. Let's hear him out. Callie Lou? That'll help. Alright, well, okay. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to settle for... Okay. Someone's jealous they didn't invent Barney. Only one way to pronounce that one. Yeah. For a country that obsesses about its international reputation... Do you? Mm. <laughs> nah, they do. It's sad. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Need to put in some work there. <laughs> For a country that obsesses about its international reputation, Canada is strangely tolerant of an institution that garners us new foreign enemies every day. <laughs> I'm talking, of course, about you say it. I'm uh, no, I'm never saying that. <laughs> Quite possibly the world's most universally reviled children's program. He's, he's spinning right now. The man is spinning. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> produced in Canada and inspired by a Quebec children's book series. Attracts a stunning level of animosity for a series about a relatively, the relatively uncontroversial daily life of a four-year-old boy. There are I hate... Facebook pages, dozens of parenting blogs have documented the phenomenon of burning parental loathing for the show. 
And a simple Google research for Kalilu hate turns up more than 400,000 results. I mean, like, uh, Felix, are you you're a fan? Well, I mean, it's no party. It's like, no party. You, you can't take away, like, you know, Kalilu's metrics. <laughs> He's a very successful, uh, successful artist, but... Um, he is not like the person he portrays off stage. <laughs> Kalilu, um, it, I've heard some very bad things about him dating freshly 18-year-old starlets hoping to get out of Canada. Um, some would say he's the real-life BoJack Horseman. <laughs> judging by that clip I saw recently. You gotta give him a break. He's done all this stuff while struggling with leukemia. <laughs> Cartman told me that he's lying about that. Shaves his head every morning. Yeah. All right, that's enough, that's enough Tristan with his hatred for uh, Canadian children's program. Let's get, into, let's get into, like, the all-stars. Let's get into the heavy hitters. And I'm talking about a mother and son team. That's right. We're talking Kate versus Kate. Toronto, Ontario. How the fuck is this a mother and her son? <laughs> they look the same. Wait, like what is He's going older than her. Yeah. Yeah. He he surpassed her at some point. <laughs> yeah, this is a Back to the Future type scenario. There's a DeLorean involved. Yeah. So they're like, uh, yeah, a mother-son team. Uh, do they open mouth kiss? I don't know. Do they sleep in bunk beds? Yes. <laughs> the, world's, the world's only column produced exclusively in a sleeping bag. They sleep in drawers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, okay, like, so if, if you're any, if, if you're not uh, if you're not Canadian and you search Jonathan K, the first thing that you will find is the saga of him washing his hair with dog shampoo. <laughs> I actually do remember this. Yeah. The person in question is Jonathan Kay, a well-known figure in Canadian media whose current job is senior editor of, the, of Quillette. <laughs> unable, to re, un, unable to resist. Oh, come on, man. They, you know, let's have an open exchange of ideas here, people. <laughs> I'm a classical liberal. Uh, unable to resist needlessly posting the transcendent cell phone that he'd been washing his hair for the last few months with dog shampoo. Okay, like, and I'm not the first person to point this out, but, like, how do you... There's a picture of a dog on the fucking bottle. And, like, like I mean, it's not... It's not like he was taking dog medicine. I'm sure dog shampoo works roughly the same way as human shampoo. But it's just... The fact that he posted about it and then got mad when Seth Rogen made fun of him, and then went on TV to fucking talk about how, like, how Seth Rogen was mean to him. Let's roll the clip. And none of it went anywhere until the other day when he did a throwaway tweet revealing that for the last three months he'd accidentally been washing his hair 
with his dog's shampoo. And next thing you know, big-time Hollywood star Seth Rogen and small-time lefty hack Keith Olbermann and the rest of the blue checker are pounding on him. Jonathan Kay uh, joins us uh, tonight. Uh, Jonathan, as I think you put it in one of your tweets, uh, this this escalated rather quickly. Journalist tweet sparks attack from the left. Yeah, it was really strange. It it was supposed to be a self-deprecating joke. That is Mark Stein. It, and then I, I don't know, I think I walked my yeah, let's dog just, let's and go then for a I second. Run, checked my phone. I was like, Seth Rogen was <laughs> calling me names. It, it was a very surreal way to spend my Sunday morning. And then uh, that thing that happens that you really don't want when you're in a Twitter spat with Seth Rogen is that your mum decided to chip up on chip in on your behalf and suggest that he work this into a subplot for his next movie. And you didn't appreciate that. Oh, well, I would, I would yeah, leave the country if that happened to me. And he's going on television. So he's Zero like, honor. People have um, killed themselves for way less than this. As long as we're talking about um, Canadian buffoons, the guy interviewing him is a guy named Mark Stein who was one of the first, like, Canadian conservative imports to America that I noticed. And let me, let me ask you guys this. What, like, is he trying to sound like that? It's like, it's not a Canadian accent. That it's is not, not a, a Canadian it's accent. Not a, it's like, it's not a British accent. Is he trying to sound like the fucking priest from A Princess Bride? <laughs> We're talking about the balance between Seth Wogan and Keith Oberman <laughs> and the Blue Chucker. Oh, who, is the, who is the maple leaf in his uh, closet? That's a cool thing to do. Be a grown man with a, another grown man's cutout in your house. Very cool. While your mom is defending you on the internet. Just a, just a lot of cool things stacked on top of each other. But um, I'm interested in his opinions on world events. That's all I can say. And like, I mean, we don't need to watch the rest of the, rest of the clip. Um, but in it, Jonathan Kay says... Maybe Seth Rogen was just having a bad weekend or something. And I was like, dude, uh, Seth Rogen's doing fine. You're the guy who's washing your hair with dogs. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, you know, he's like, why did he have to send his 9 million followers? It's like, you posted this shit on a public forum, my dude. All right, but like, Jonathan, Jonathan, the apple, don't, the apple falls way too far from the tree because I want to talk about his mom, Barbara Kay, who wrote, who wrote this piece, headline... Why is Prince Andrew the only one being held accountable? <laughs> True. I remember, I remember him being held accountable. We all remember that when that happened, right? When his mom canceled his birthday party. It is with a pang that I was informed by People.com that Queen Elizabeth strips Prince Andrew of his eight military titles and patronages amid sexual assault lawsuit as the headline read. A day after a judge requested Prince Andrew's attempt to have a civil lawsuit quashed, alleging sexual misconduct against him in 2001 by one of Jeffrey Epstein's victims. Why do I shudder slightly at those words, private citizen, and and greet the news in general with a pang though? Prince Andrew is nothing to me personally. He got himself into a very tawdry mess, though through his own appallingly bad judgment. 
The allegations surfaced in 2019, so this was no surprise. And it is not the first occasion in which bad judgment and a sense of entitlement has led Randy Andy into a temptation of one kind or another and thence onward to, at best, unethical behavior and at worst, oh dear, oh dear. That's quite a way to discuss this. I just, like, I mean, held accountable? Like, what the fuck? Like, but back to my pang. Consider, stupid as he was, the woman accusing him of being party to her sex trafficking was 17 at the time of the alleged encounter. The age of consent in the UK, as well as 32 US states, is 16. A lot of other rich and famous men palled around with Epstein and made use of his private plane and visited his island home. How come their names didn't come up in Maxwell's trial? So maybe my paying has something to do with the murkiness surrounding the alleged encounter and the fact that Andrew seems to have been cut from the herd to keep the all eyes on him and all eyes off the American guys. The only other man uh, publicly charged with sexual assault was celebrated lawyer Alan Dershowitz in 2019. I like, I like her line of argument because it's like, just going by that, then like none of them individually should ever be charged. Yeah. <laughs> like if you charge one, it's like, well, what about, what about the 20 other guys? And you can just keep doing that forever until they <laughs> die of natural causes. Says, Andrew is what he is, and I'm not making the case he shouldn't have paid an appropriate price for his bad behavior. Bad whether he slept with her or he didn't. All I'm saying is that the price he is paying, a royal castaway shunned from the sake of the firm's continued good health and relegated to social devil's island, is very, very high. Much higher than he would have been in the case of an ordinary man. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. An ordinary man would be in fucking would be in prison for what he did. Not not to have his military patronages and privileges stripped from him. Yeah, but like even guys who are in prison for rape like get to have birthday parties. <laughs> I'm trying and, to think and, of uh, like even even if you're in protective custody and you don't get to be in Gen Pop, they still let you be in charge of the same charities you were in charge of before you went in. I'm trying to think of what, what she thinks would have been appropriate. Like, just having his mom just spank him on the bottom like 20 times? Just a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Just sort of a, a bit of stiff discipline. Yeah. All right. Toronto... Uh, we're, coming, we're coming to the end of, uh, end of our show tonight. So, I, I know, I know. But we got to talk about the king. The, the guy... The, the one man whose name rang out more than any other Canadian media figure. I am, of course, talking about Toronto's own Joe Warmington. And you'll see why, why this is the most John Cass guy in Canada. I already love him. I mean, this is, you know, baby comes out already formed as Winston Churchill. It's a miracle. For my own amusement, I'm just going to also just pretend he's dead. Because I can't, I, I just love it. I'm addicted to it. I would be shocked if this guy makes it through the year. Just, um, I'm assuming this is like a childhood photo. <laughs> I don't know what elements he has, but it's got to be a lot of them. This was, a, this was his yearbook photo. Which he was voted most likely to be ridiculed by an American podcast visiting his own city. But uh, Joe Warmington is very John Cass-like, and I think, I think that will come across in this headline. 
Toronto Sun retracts Joe Warmington column on gang culture that quoted fake Drake lyrics. <laughs> so it says here, uh, among other problems, Warmington's column asked why Don Cherry was pulled off the air after being branded a racist when Drake sings songs about promoting murder. <laughs> Wait a minute. Except, except the lyrics Warmington offered as proof are not Drake's lyrics. In fact, there does not appear to be any song in existence that uses the specific <laughs> lyrics cited in Warmington's column. Uh, <laughs> Do you know how many songs there are? <laughs> to not even to have to pass a newspaper fact check and that them not even come up with an offer of like, we think he was going for this one? All right, the original version of the column stated, get within two meters, the city calls you selfish and dangerous. Write hip-hop lyrics like Drake, and he gets the key to the city. We can't, uh, these are the lyrics. We can't afford to let someone else get killed. If they're scared, we kill you by ourselves. If I'm scared, bodyguard, Chubbs will shoot you by himself. Only need one person to shoot you. You only live once. None of that rhymes. <laughs> that that is some very bad flow, I have to say. Is that from, from Drake's, like, epic poem? <laughs> <laughs> the six yeah. with her rose-red fingers. Yeah. <laughs> six berry tails. Also, I, I'm no hip-hop aficionado, but doesn't Drake mostly rap about women not texting him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One, my, one of my favorite Drake lines is complaining that he drove a girl to take her LSATs in the snow. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, at least not in his songs. He's not ordering killings. Uh, uh, but like uh, this next, this is, this is one of my favorite headlines I, I, I've read. And th- thank, thank the Toronto Sun for publishing this one by Joe Warmington. Headline. Give cops medals for efforts to stop park sex. <laughs> if, uh, Warmington writes, if you can imagine new Democrat MPP Sherry DeNova wants the cops rebuked for arresting creeps who have sex in a public park, thankfully, some common sense prevails, and Toronto Police Association President Mike McCormick wants her to apologize for making such a suggestion. And I want medals and citations for all the 22 division officers involved in making arrests. 22? <laughs> okay, at that, at that point, you just have to surrender at the park. <laughs> or That's or, not a park anymore. Or you honor the thin pink line. <laughs> no, no, Felix, it was not 22 arrests. It was 22 division officers involved in making arrests. Well, not like still though. If it, I, I mean, I imagine it's over policing, but if they actually needed twenty-two to detain all the guys having sex in the park, I mean, if they took it back, that's like Stalingrad. <laughs> <laughs> if you retreat, we'll we'll shoot a hot load into you. <laughs> if your comrade falls, pick up his handcuffs. Go forward and take back that park. I, no, okay, give them medals, actually, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the article, he just says, of, of the officers, I guess, the end result, the efforts of these officers enabled the community to take back their park, and both the community and police celebrated this victory as a, bar- 
And with a barbecue and candlelight walk through the park at the end of the two, the two month project, the two month project, the stuntmen from fucking each other in this park in Toronto. Commemorated, they, commemorated in the film Enemy at the Gate. <laughs> Did they at least like put a tarp down before the barbecue? It's like we just took it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put some Perel around for a minute. Let it settle. It says, uh, they deserve a pat on the back, not a stab in the back. I don't want to touch them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably a little sticky. All right, but uh, the, thing, the thing about Joe Warmington, though, is that the columns don't really give justice to his beautiful mind. It is in the medium of Twitter that he really shines. And I'd like to shout out a friend of the show, Jesse Hawkins, for, for, for doing, doing, doing a running tally on the best Joe Warmington tweets. Beginning with this one, is this a DM? Uh, this, I really like this one. This is, uh, need computer help. When you use Firefox, can you Google something? How do you get it to do that? It says Amazon instead. Any suggestions? And like, then there are ones that are like, uh, not so much as like, uh, just bewildered uh, ignorance of the world. There's, uh, well, I suppose this counts, but this gets into like people he knows and hey, don't talk shit about my friends. I don't know what she said on the Daily Stormer, but <laughs> I don't know what she said on the Daily Stormer, but I know people will pile on Faith Goldie for it. I say go easy because she's a good kid. <laughs> All right, so we have a selection. Yeah, yeah, we got, we got, we got a few more here. Right, here we go. Why, we don't have a clear understand why Mr. Platform. <laughs> no, like, like, they get, they get they, increasingly they, they get more, like, This is like the Burroughs cut-up technique for tweeting. Let's, yeah, let's go to the next one. Yeah, knee computer oh, help. Knee computer. Okay, I like this one. Listen to me, Sully, in guy who fights to keep city safe. Need your help. Encourage youth to help cops. Encourage Drake. <laughs> We've got Drake. Could you please do a song encouraging men not to bum each other in public parks in Toronto? <laughs> the, what if it, I, the, what if that was your dying father's last words to you? Encourage Drake. Encur Listen to guys in Tech City. Encourage, Encourage Drake. Drake. <laughs> All right. What's the next one? Anybody know of a place where beer and liquor is sold in stores and how it works? When was this guy unthawed? This is the this is the only like this is the missing link columnist. <laughs> That's why he called himself Joe Warmington. Give uh, <laughs> one before we get to the, the visual tweet. Oh yes, uh, uh, that's the next one. Okay, isolation pizza. <laughs> oh my fucking Okay, like the, just the two word, like the combination of the, of those two words and that image is like it, it's 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 like cellar door, but the opposite. Uh, isolation pizza, and then what looks to be like just like, it's like it's like he's like it's like cooking pizza freebase style with aluminum foil, <laughs> and like is that is that is that, is that chunks of potato in there? I think it's, I think it's pineapple. Pineapple. It like, okay. I thought for the look, I looked at this image like thirty times as I was putting this all together, and I'm only now seeing it on the big screen, realizing that those aren't 
big unmelted cheese chunks, but I think they are pineapple. This is like one of the, the, oh, those early pineapple. AI images designed okay, yeah. to baffle human oh, yeah. comprehension. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Do um, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, feel like, do you see the John Cass coming across? No, just, no, no, no. no. John, John Cass is like, like this is an uncon. This is Casper Hauser. Like, this is... <laughs> He was, I mean, he was located, like, the, the, whatever fucking newspaper he works for found him. The Toronto Nathan, Sun. The Toronto Sun found him wandering a park, probably, <laughs> like, naked at age 65. And, like, the only words he could say were, like, a horse, cavalry, cavalry, my father sends me to cavalry. And they're like, let's teach him language as a project. <laughs> what I mean, though, is that, like, he cannot help but betray the utter misery in which he exists in. Well, well the, like, Cass's misery, though, is, like, they have to do with, like, language and human relations and other things that this caveman does not grasp. <laughs> like, this is, this is a man, like, I, he, he has rabies. <laughs> the best guy should kill him. Like, no, he doesn't deserve to die, but he might bite someone else. <laughs> Sorry. I know we don't have this one up on the big board, but I just have to read this one. This is at Joe, at Joe Warmington. I have not once today tweeted anything negative about parents of autistic kids. <laughs> <laughs> like at Ford Nation and at McLeod Lisa, I am on their side. Even the ones who said they wanted me to choke on my own vomit. <laughs> It's so, it's like more alarming that he writes in coherent sentences sometimes. <laughs> like, like, like half, half of it is like, friend find warm? How do, how, how do work house? Enter, enter, enter key, fire live there? And then the other ones are like, look, you know, some kids just need to go to prison. <laughs> All right, so let's, 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 let's tell Drake to tell kids to use condoms. Sorry, so, like, he goes in and out of consciousness. I think this one combines both style of tweeting. Sorry, this is not up on screen, but I just got to read this. Uh, deeply sorry, Ron McLean has previous shirtless story. This is not the first time pictures of a hockey player without a shirt and then some has appeared on this very panel. Plus, we learn about LGBTQ2 plus graciousness and where tarps off slang come from. Stay tuned, column soon. <laughs> it's like it's like he tweets like it's like a telegram. You should separate these with stop. <laughs> Drake, like, Drake encourages shirtlessness. Stop. Yeah. Column soon. It's like he's typing these out with his tongue. Yeah. He just, he has like a madness meter that fills up 20 times okay, a day. Okay, sorry, sorry. There's just too many good ones. Uh, next one. We don't know who is going to play at Elon Musk in the movie, but there is only one person should play at Real James Woods. Hashtag James Woods. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Does he hate Elon? Like, <laughs> James Woods is 190 years old. <laughs> well, so like, what, just, to, just sort of bring it back to the first act while I was going through Warmington's tweets I was just like what is it of like Canadian men of a certain age that like when you read their Twitter feed it's like the diary of a madman I'm like okay like 
Fifth, we got the, the JP oh, yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. All right, this is just a, a tweets cold from Jordan Peterson's feed over the last like two hours. <laughs> this is Justin Trudeau as Pennywise. Uh, just says lies, lies. Is that Alex Trebek? No, it's Trudeau. What? No. You'll you'll notice a theme in his imagery as yeah. we go through. Yeah. Okay, it's like. He basically, like, Jeremy Peterson's, like, Benzo tweeting style has evolved. It's, like, it's actually quite, like, original. Because he it's basically... avant-garde. Yeah. <laughs> no, th- 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 this, is, this is the old style. This is the old style of Peterson yeah. posting. There were eras. Before yeah, he got like, good. Yeah. This is when he was refining his style. But he has, he has this thing now. Yes. This is, this is one of them. He has three or four images that he tweets out constantly now. <laughs> one is a shoebill stork. One is Lady Joker, or variations on the Joker. The other's a Hagar the Horrible strip. Okay, I like this one. What do trans, wait, sorry. What do trans influencers think of this? And it, the, the headline He's got is, you there. Pretty cool, I don't know. <laughs> no, he, he, yeah, labor will destroy the UK by design. What does the image have to do with that? I don't get it. Keir Starmer looks great. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, that's, that, that's our tour through Canadian media crumbums and losers. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. All right, Chris, you do the shout-out? Yeah. Toronto, Ontario, Danforth Music Hall. I want to thank you guys so much for coming out to see us. You guys have been awesome. But before we go, before we go tonight, I, I would like you, the audience, to uh, help us out with something. Uh, we have a, we do like a little, a little special shout out to a friend of the show who's going through some hard times right now. If you guys could just bring your hands together for a fan of the show, Julie Baxter, and just wish her well right now. That would be a lot to us. so much. It's been awesome. Cheers, guys. Hats available in the lobby. Good night, everybody.